Hey, folks, I'm Tom. Keith Jones here. A reminder, as we do typically at this point, right before the weekly Front Row Knowles podcast begins, don't forget about the Dunlap Champions Club. Football season is creeping closer, and that means you need to take care of yourself. If you haven't been in there yet, many of you probably have at this point. It's a tremendous experience. Chairback seats, food and beverage, air conditioning when needed. Uh, it's a great facility. You and I have had the opportunity to be there for some other functions up there on the fourth floor not related to football, and obviously that entire facility uh, really added a great deal to Dope Campbell Stadium and really adds a great deal to the game day experience. Hey, it's a really, really good experience. If you haven't been in there or if you have and you want to learn more, call them, take a tour, uh, check it out. Uh, do yourself a favor this season, even if you have other tickets or you don't want to commit to uh, a five-year agreement for club seats in the in the Dunlap Champions Club, go ahead and sample at least for one game or get a three-game ticket pack. And the three-game ticket packs, you get to choose Virginia Tech, Clemson, or Florida, one of those three games. And then the other two games come from the remaining home schedule, which is Samford, Northern Illinois, Wake Forest, or Boston College. It's only 700 bucks for those three games. Includes all your food and non-alcoholic beverage. Uh, beverages. well worth it. Very much so. And again, uh, we've got some nighttime kicks, but sometime during the year there's going to be some afternoon games in that sun. And being able to get inside and enjoy those uh, air-conditioned facilities, uh, a great plus on game day. Visit Seminoles.com backslash tickets for more information. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back in the saddle again. We have actual on-the-field football to discuss, KJ. And we both have been to a practice uh, each, so we are uh, divide and conquer. I'm not in camp shape. No, and nobody listening to this show thinks that you nor I are in camp shape. And we, we proved that this week. So did all the media for the most part. I'm not sure there's many... That, that could claim it. We won't name names, Isn't that but it's, funny? it's a pretty they, small list of they folks. They complain that, about only getting to 15 or 20 minutes of access, but when they're there for the entire two hours, it hurts. Well, media just likes to <laughs> – that's what we do. We complain. Um, I went to practice Monday. You went to practice on uh, Tuesday. Now they're at the portion uh, of the practice schedule where only the first part of practice is open. But they continue to be very open in terms of access to players and coaches. We'll get into that momentarily. But uh, your general thoughts on what you witnessed? Um, two things. Number one, we all knew under the prior um, staff that, that they would basically run two practices at the same time. So you go back out there to like I did yesterday, and it looks like the old times where you know there is some standing around. So uh, a critic would say they're not getting as much work done. However, what I did notice is that during the actual drills, everybody was going full speed. There was no walking around. There was no instruction. The, the drills were run full speed. And uh, it was interesting to see um, the, the excitement and joy that was out there that I never recall in the, in the prior regime. Uh, obviously, the music was blaring, and as the our listeners have, have heard me say a uh, hundred thousand times, I now know why my father hated my music. I, it's not music I recognize. Although yesterday they played uh, uh, the fight song. And, well, today, today they, they the brought that chat, in. Uh, to begin with. Seminole rap was yep, out there. Yep. Uh, but just watching, I, I spent a lot of my time just watching the kids. 
and, and particularly those that I could pick out, those that are known. There's so many new kids there. It'd take forever to learn their faces and their names. There, there was an excitement, a joy, a, a, I mean, it was hot. It was hotter on Monday for you than it was for me on Tuesday. But they wanted to be there, and they were working. And, uh, and that, as a former player, was very, very encouraging for me to see. It continues to be a whole new world order. There's no question. It is a little interesting given that we have an increased tempo. But you counter that with the way Jimbo used to run practice. When Jimbo would do it, though, you had the ones versus the threes and the two versus the fours. There was which, never any good on good. There's right. a whole lot of good on good under the Taggart era. And if you factor in the increased tempo, you know, you may wind up with the same amount of plays cumulatively. Anyway, if yeah. I can spit that word out. Um, yeah, you hear music, you don't hear screaming. Uh, so that's that's a noticeable difference. They're practicing in the morning. They speak to the media before practice. All these are are changes. The quarterbacks get all the billing. How'd they look when you were there? Uh, they all looked real good. Uh, and I spent most of my time looking at Francois. I spent most of my time watching his mobility because that's what you worry about with a leg injury. To my naked eye, no sign of that tendon problem. He, he went through everything. Obviously, he has not taken a hit. We're all going to be holding our breath, even if it's all the way to the whatever game he appears, if he is, in fact, the starter for Virginia Tech. You'll, you'll not know until you go through you know, actual contact. But uh, from a, a shorts standpoint and running all the individual drills look great. Uh, Blackman, uh, Blackman's got – his personality appears to have just grown last year to this year. Last year he's the freshman – you know he's absorbing things. He, he's called upon to be the leader, but you know he really doesn't have a stance. There was some times, especially at the end of practice, eleven on eleven, when uh, the defense was getting the better of the offense, and and Blackman was making sure that the defense knew that he wasn't in there at that time. You know, wait till I get in there. You're not going to be doing that when I'm in there, and uh, that was refreshing to see. And Brady looked good. I, of course, you know I've, I've been a big Hawkman fan from the get go. I think people are more. Uh, Bailey, Bailey, Bailey. I'm sorry, Bailey. Uh, are more uh, prone to go with the the two kids they've seen, and appropriately so. I've spent some time watching him in practice, and in terms of what he can do for this offense, the way Willie wants him to do it, he fits very nicely. So, you know, if somebody gets hurt again, or if, you know, there's other issues where he has to play, I, I don't view that as a huge drop off. I think he'll be totally competent to come in and be more more than serviceable. And if he continues to progress, he may even end up winning the starting job. We'll see. Not likely, but we'll see. Uh, They look good. Long answer to your question. There have been a few position changes. When our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt joined us, we'll hash out some of those. Who else stood out? And I guess at this point, with open access to the media, everybody's opined about it. And the same names keep coming up. And I can share that on on Monday, uh, Tamari and Terry certainly doesn't look like a redshirt freshman when you look at the frame and watch him play. I'm not quite as ready to uh, anoint him into the, uh, you know, or elect him into the NFL Hall of Fame <laughs> as some are. Maybe because I watched the last eight years and it was such a process to get a receiver on the field. But I do see a lot of upside there with him. Um, you know, Brian Burns is Brian Burns. Trey McKitty looks like a beast at tight end. So it's the same names you're hearing, and it, it is evident when you go out at practice. Uh, yeah, they got, got a little more activity out of uh, Nooney Murray. Um, they, uh, um, Terry, uh, uh, Terry, by the way, was at practice yep. today. So that calf strain, apparently fairly right. minor. Uh, I spent some time watching Eberly. Uh, you know, we've talked about him. He's played a, a huge number of snaps, but most of the time he's played them hurt. 
appears to be at least as, if he's not 100% healthy, he's certainly as healthy as he's ever been uh, on the offensive line. And, uh, you know, they, it was interesting too, Tom. They're in shorts. You know, today, Wednesday, I think they were in uppers. But Monday and Tuesday, they were in shorts. And, and there were some kids getting annoyed with one another. You don't – very rarely do you see some frustration and altercation when you're in shorts. And that just, I think, speaks to the overall mentality that Coach Taggart and this staff is beginning to instill in this group, that you've got to earn your job every day. And every drill of every day is very important. And that was evident. Back to my earlier comment, when they're, when they're doing the drills, it's 100%. There's nobody lagging around. This is what you call the hype train, ladies and gentlemen, and it's uh, still early in August, but go ahead and jump on board and we'll get this thing out of control by the time we get to the Virginia Tech game. One of the changes, as we mentioned, is that there's a lot of access to players and coaches, uh, including, in the case of today, assistant coaches, and uh, David Kelly's sort of the godfather, grandfather of the coaching staff. He's been around. Uh, and that's a good thing. He's coached at big-time programs, LSU and, and Georgia, and he was with Willie at, at USF for uh, his last year, I think, and then also at Oregon. But he was asked the question today how he came to be wide receiver coach at Florida State. Uh, very interesting response. Take a listen. Let me see. We were going to Seattle to recruit Sean Harrison right after we had gotten here. I came here to be the general manager where Coach Taggart would run the football part of it then I would be over all the other part of it outside of the operations. Well, once we got here, one thing led to another. So he and I on this plane flight, I guess I shouldn't have made that mistake, but we on this plane flight out to Seattle to recruit Trey Shun. And all of a sudden he hits me with, well, DK, you know a little bit about wide receiver. Why don't you coach him? I looked around and I have to be honest, I tried to get out of it initially. But Willie Taggart being Willie Taggart and the respect that I have for him and all, just like always, like that's why he's such a good recruiter, he finally convinced me after about 30 seconds that, um, <laughs> yeah, you be the wide receiver coach. I said, well, hey, let's go get this thing. But the biggest thing is, all jokes aside, we understand the quality of the opportunity here at Florida State, but we also embrace the expectations. You know, we're not naive to what has to transpire, what has to get accomplished. And we're taking that on with everything we have. When he and I were at USF together, we used to, he used to dream, and then he would talk to me about if we ever got to a scenario right here like this, we would still apply the same work ethic that we had at a USF, but with increased resources, wonder what could transpire. So this opportunity, they say, put it out there what you want, speak on it, dream about it. It becomes in the existence. That's what's transpiring. Now we are here, and as we always talk about, we understand we have to do something, and we will. Hashtag do something, hashtag we will. I like the second part of that. We haven't had that one yet. But that, uh, first of all, just to listen to him talk, you can tell that uh, he's he's been at this a while and has good perspective. But what's your biggest takeaway from his comments? Well, I love the phrase, the quality of the opportunity. I mean, again, phrases only mean what you transpire and make of them. Uh, but the recognition of that. I know during practice yesterday, he, he DK, as he's known to his fellow coaches, very – very um, uh, uh, demonstrative. You can his voice carries. You can hear him. 
uh, his shouts of encouragement, uh, and and you can just tell uh, almost a, a, an immediacy of respect amongst the media listening to him. Uh, first time he's had the opportunity to talk collectively that I recall. Uh, and he, he is kind of recognized as the dean for two reasons. Number one, the experience, but number two, the age. And uh, he, he kind of likes that role. Uh, that's why I think Willie originally wanted him to be more in a managerial capacity and because of, of other circumstances uh, decided to put him back as a segment coach and, and, um, and, and continue in that vein. And, and uh, he's just an impressive individual to listen to and to watch work with the kids. Again, not to beat this dead horse, so to speak. Well, and I'm about to talk about Jimbo. and wasn't even trying to make a horse joke there. Jimbo, as everybody knows, he was the only, he was the voice. And he's not the only one like that. And so the advantage of, of having that approach is that you don't let something slip out that you didn't want. So I'm not suggesting that David Kelly let any cats out of the bag there. But if you're going to make your assistance available and all your players, somebody may something, say something that the head coach wishes, I, I probably would have liked to keep that in-house. But the flip side is when you are the only voice, the media, the fans, nobody has anything else to scrutinize, to distract them, to occupy their time. All and right. so if you didn't hear from David Kelly today, rather than all the media talking about what an insightful guy and all this, you would be hearing the media continue to beat this already that – well, you know, it's only day three, but Coach Taggart seems pretty vague when he estimates how long a guy's out with injury. You all know, right. we're into. All right. I mean, that's. So, all right. All right. All right. So, what do you want to add? I'm just saying. I mean, we've listened to Saban for so long. All of us just make fun of I. Right. Yeah. All right. And that becomes the so focus. Everything has positive and negative. And, you know, at some point, if Coach Taggart's going to have everybody be this open and available, surely, I'm not saying it'll get out publicly, but they'll be in a meeting and it'll be, hey, so and so. Let's maybe not talk about that next time that you're out there. But but the flip side is the media will have a lot more stories to tell. The fans will have much better idea of who the players are, who the coaches are, and it, it deflects things off of the head coach. Well, and, and I witnessed on Tuesday – I can't comment for you on Monday, but I witnessed on Tuesday – you know, after practice on Monday, Willie was not happy. He didn't, he, you know, even though it was the first practice, you're in shorts and helmets. You know, he 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 wasn't pleased. And there were a, a couple of different circumstances times during this the second practice on Tuesday, particularly on eleven on eleven, when he was upset. And and those are the times you don't necessarily want the media out there to see it. As a former player, though, I look at it and go, okay, this guy's not milk toast. You know, he he can get after it when he needs to. We used to say that about Coach Bowden all the time. The public perception of Coach Bowden was the grandfatherly type. You, you've you never been ridiculed and, and, and put down and motivated and chastised until your grandfather has done that to you, and that was Coach Bowden. Willie's the same way. He got extremely agitated a couple of times, and you, and you saw that fire, and you saw that um, the desire to make this thing work. And again, as a former player, I, I expected that, knew it was going to happen. There it was. And there's in shorts. Imagine, imagine full pads. Well, think about how much more impactful that is if it's not the norm. When it's not the norm, and Very all good of a sudden point. you hear that. Very good it, point. It's, it's like baseball. You don't have to throw 105. You have to mix speeds. And in football, the reason tempo works isn't just because you go fast. It's because you change the tempo. So you go fast, 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 and then you slow down. Then you go fast. Same thing here. So if he's generally calm, 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 and then you raise your voice to get your point across, get what? Guess what? Somebody's going to listen. Previous guy only had one 
unfortunately. One one level there. So all all part of the the uh, the changes and the dynamic that goes with it. But it's been a good first week, uh, and we'll get more thoughts from our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, in just a little bit. Uh, one thing that's happened, and we can react to this later in the program, since last time we gathered is that uh, Mickey Andrews uh, is now a special assistant for Coach Willie Taggart. And Madison Social, as they like to do, is going to commemorate such a situation by making Mickey his very own pint glass. I'm not sure how Mickey feels about that. I'm sure conversations are being held. Might not have been asked, but nevertheless. Probably word will get to him because it's all, it's all the way out. That's what Madison Social does. Uh, Township has half-price leaders uh, every Wednesday. Wednesday Day, as they like to call it. And don't forget, old school squares, five bucks at Centrale on Thursday. Not sure what I knocked over, but fortunately, everything appears to be still wired and working. So we'll step aside, collect ourselves, and continue with the show momentarily. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We are back on Front Row Knowles. Doesn't that always put you in a good mood? Well, yeah, and I was going to interject. I have not heard that out at the practice field yet, by the way. Yeah, and I was going to interject that, uh, you know, I, I got my best deal the Hobson way. I did see that you have new wheels out there in the... Uh, yeah, I knew, uh, I'm going to have to park farther away now because I don't want to be the guy that scuffed your door. And you will be blamed if it happens. Yes, but, uh, I'm, new, I'm used uh, to being blamed for things that weren't my fault. New Silverado in the Jones household. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, very nice, very nice. And thank you, you to Bob for his uh, continued support and all the folks who are uh, going to be back for another year uh, here on Front Row Knowles. Somehow we fooled him again, Keith. Yes, we did. We did. Um, let, let's continue. We're, we're going to get Tim Linnefelt uh, dialed up here shortly. Tim doesn't know what to do with himself, first of all. Tim has access to everything that happens. He, that's why he's our Seminoles.com insider. But the problem is there's 24 hours a day, and he can observe all of it and write stories about it. So it, he's hard to pin down these days. Sometimes. We'll, we'll hear from him in a little bit. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the, on the Mickey Andrews news uh, because Mickey is now a special assistant, which appeared to be maybe ceremonial in title. But after seeing him out sweating with his hat on at practice the last few days, he's pretty vested. It, it might have been of one type in Willie's mind, Coach Taggart's mind, but I I know and suspect you know him as well that Coach Andrews is going to – I mean, Coach Andrews is all in or none in. That That's just his mentality. And uh, he was right out there with the other assistant coaches. You saw him on Monday. I saw him or, or was told he was. I didn't get a chance to talk to him on Tuesday, but was told he was there. Uh, we know he was there this morning. And uh, it's amazing to me. You and I talked a little bit about this uh, over the weekend when, when the announcement first came out. You know, Mickey's in his mid-70s now. You know, he's 75, 76 years of age. And he's retired. He's, he's doing a lot of work with his church. Uh, he, is, he does get called upon to, for speaking engagements and that type of thing. But, but he's, he's a, in an empty nest house. You know, he, he lost his wife. Uh, his, his mother-in-law lived with him for a period of time. He took care of her. Uh, she's deceased. 
I, I I see Mickey embracing this new thing, and while it 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 won't mean the hundred or hundred and twenty hours a week that he worked when he was the defensive coordinator, him putting in forty, fifty, sixty hours a week now may actually make him more youthful because he's got some place to go and something to do, and it's something that he loves. He absolutely loves, and I'm excited to see. I, I I don't think anybody other, other than maybe Coach Andrews knows what it's going to exactly mean. The other thing's going to be interesting is hear hear him react because we're we're told initially that he might be up in the box, up in the booth, the coach's booth, and as opposed to down on the field where he's been his entire career. You and I both know from doing radio and television that's just a different perspective, and and he'll. It'll be interesting to hear his comments about well, but he's, to that. He spent a lot of time watching film, which is shot from that high angle like the press box. Well, and there's also parameters. He's not an on-field assistant, so there are limits on what he can do. But I think, A, on the Taggart side of it, it's just move number 697 in a row that was the right move for Coach Taggart. Correct. Correct. And on the Mickey Andrews side, it's going to be tremendous for all the reasons you just said, and everybody at Florida State will benefit. Here's what I really want to know, Keith. Has somebody published, can we publish like a top 10 list of all-time Mickey quotes? I don't even know that we can share them here, but I know one of them is, I'm going to have to call your mom, tell her I lied to her. I told her you were a football player. <laughs> there are a bunch of them. Yes. Um, I don't think, I don't think uh, several of them that I'm familiar with would not be necessarily good for our radio show. And 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 Coach Andrews will be the first to tell you now that he's been away from it that he probably regrets maybe some of the things he barked. But one of the things, Tom, that's universal is as hard nosed as he was and as um, to the point as he could be with his barbs, uh, the kids knew his heart. His heart was always what's best for the players. And you talk to the Derek Brooks and and the uh, Leroy Butlers and go all the way back to the Stan Shivers, you know the kids that had great college careers but but you know didn't have the great professional career. They will all tell you what better men they are for having played for Coach Andrews. I did not have the opportunity to play for him. I I, I left in eighty. He came in eighty four. I don't know that I could have played for him. Uh, Monk and I have talked about this numerously, uh, numerous times about you know whether we would have made it under an Andrews approach. I don't, I don't know. But I would have liked to have had the opportunity, and I'm proud, very proud to call him friend now uh, and, and had the opportunity to get to know him. Insert whatever colorful language you choose. Gosh darn it, Jones. You've been beat deep three times. You've only been on the field for two plays. <laughs> that, that's Mickey that's Andrews. <laughs> or one of the other ones was, uh, Jones, uh, here's what we're going to do. I want you this time to run out on the field, look at the referee, and hit him in the mouth so he could throw his flag and then run back off. Because that's exactly what happened the last two times you ran on previous to this. (laughs) (laughs) A true seminal legend, and it's good good to have Mickey uh, back in the fold. And uh, look forward to catching up with him and and just seeing how that that works out. Okay, another thing that happened or transpired uh, since last week, not even really officially because the university won't announce it. it, it it's it's a figment of our imagination. Unofficially, according to everybody else, Florida State will be on the road next. Well, FSU did announce they're going off-site for a few days. And uh, what everybody else has announced is it will be to IMG down in uh, Bradenton, which is a football factory. And uh, it's where Michigan and Jim Harbaugh went a couple years ago at springtime. And, of course, 
people listening to this show know that there's a Taggart Harbaugh connection obviously but this is sort of old school like mickey though this is what teams used to do back in the bear bryant days to have a true training camp uh team bonding if you want to call it what's your what's your thought on uh on on doing this in the middle of camp i i I like the idea uh i think uh img is equipped to do it because you've got you have to have a place that has some dormitory rooms some sleeping rooms because obviously you got to get some rest uh they have the uh, requisite uh practice fields that that florida state can use um, I think from a cost standpoint, uh, there's already been stories in, in uh, the local newspaper about how much Michigan spent when they went down there for a week during spring. Uh, Florida State's tab for this will be something considerably less than that because, number one, they won't be taking an airplane. They'll be taking buses. And, um, and, and I like the idea. You know, a lot of high schools, even today, Tom, uh, in our local area, will go away for a week to a camp somewhere. Uh, where they've got sleeping facilities and they'll they'll work out for five or six days and, and the whole approach is to tune out the rest of the world and focus on yourselves and and get isolated. Uh, coaches get to know the players, players get to know the coaches, the players get to know each other, and um, I, I like the idea as a player, a former player. You know, you, you're going to practice for three or four weeks, maybe sometimes five weeks, whatever the time frame is these days before you play your first game. If nothing else, it's different scenery. You know, the drills are the same. You're going up against does, the same people. It does break up the monotony exactly. that way. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, and uh, it won't hurt from a recruiting standpoint, though we need to, to be fair and understand. We, we sometimes make fun of the university because, you know, they can't acknowledge that they're going down there. They, uh, they can't do this. They can't do that. Well, that's because of NCAA requirements and regulations. Florida State cannot invite, I'm told, any recruits to come to this. But obviously, if someone they're interested wants to drive by and stop and take a look, I don't think they have to run them off either, if that makes any sense. They just got to be careful how they reach out to them, how they communicate to them, and that type of thing. Certainly, it's going to generate some more media coverage because the people down in the central part of the state that may not send their resources to Tallahassee for film and interviews, well, they're right there. They can they can do whatever is legal and whatever the NCAA allows there in terms of exposure. Um, it's just, I think, a good idea. Uh, we'll see how it works out. If it doesn't work out and it doesn't work well, you don't do it again. But, again, another example of different ideas that Coach Taggart's bringing to the Have table. We heard, did he do this at Oregon and USF? I don't feel like I've heard the answer to I've that. not heard the answer to it. Yeah. I, I would venture to guess that maybe they haven't or we would have already heard the answer. You know, They would have said, well, Coach, is this like when you did this or like when you did right. that? Uh, so maybe it's it's the first time for him as well. I've, and uh, and I just think it's a great concept. I've got something um, news that came out this week that you're going to be excited about here. I'm going to share with you shortly because it's it's one of the common themes. It's it's a drum beat that that we beat that drum about every quarter here, and we haven't done it at least in a quarter. So it's going to come up next. But I do want to. Uh, Remind you, as I thank Ron and his uh, staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, that uh, they can take care of all your power tool needs. They've been big-time supporters of our program, so we say thank you for that. You can visit them at 1110 Stuckey Avenue or 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. That's Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your do-it-yourself needs. And and this is sort of a do-it-yourself project that you and I are. We are single, well, the two of us. I guess that's not single-handedly. We're going to make this happen, though. So I'm over here holding my breath. I can't wait. College baseball has changed things a little bit so that now in the fall, 
teams are going to play each other, like an exhibition game, or maybe it counts. I don't even know. So FSU is playing Alabama in fall baseball this year. Was not aware of that. I think that's the one that I saw announced. Do you know what this leads to? This leads to spring games and football being played against opposing. I teams. knew if I queued it up right, you would be you would be right on script. It is exactly what it leads to. They're going to like this. They're going to say this is better than just playing each other all fall. Why don't we try this in other sports? Boom, FSU Auburn, two year deal. Once there on the plains, once here for a spring game. You even could get the ACC SEC challenge going because we can't do that in the fall. There's too many obligations. You could damn sure do it in the spring. I like that. And idea. we could put it on the ACC network, which is looking for things to put on there and trying to sell that product to cable carriers everywhere. Boy, you don't even have to be king of the ACC You're welcome, for you to Ninja. come up with You're that. welcome, Ninja Swafford. We just, we just did some of your heavy lifting for you. We'll come back. Speaking of heavy lifting, our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, knows everything that we don't, which is why we continue to have him on the show, and he'll join us next on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, and it's, as promised, the portion of the program where the gentleman who knows everything joins us to make up for Keith and I's deficiencies, which takes longer than what this segment is, but we'll try anyway as we crank up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt. Hello, Seminoles.com insider. How are you, Tim? What's up, fellas? How are we doing? We are doing great. Three days into practice. What do we have, national champs? I mean, where have you got us after New Year's Day holiday? I mean, just lay it all out there, Tim. What are we looking at? Yeah, where are the playoffs these days? If I, if I were you, I'd go ahead and start looking at airfare and hotels, whatever else. Maybe do a bus trip. This is what I like. You're continuing. <laughs> we we already promised the hype train would be off the tracks by uh, by September. We didn't know it'd get there today. Um, what, are, what are your early impressions here? Uh, you know, I think you you like what you see. It's been uh, it, it, everything comes with a caveat that it's just the first few days and in, in, uh, in shirts and shorts, right? And then you know they'll they'll put on shelves tomorrow and then get full pads later on but uh you know really man I, there's a lot of talent uh on this team is, is really kind of what i think uh more than anything i mean you, brian burns and levante taylor who i think you know everybody knows that the florida state's counting on uh to be big time players i mean they've been just they looked outstanding i mean burns is is just i mean he has a different way about him a different edge i mean he he, he looks fantastic on the field but just watching him and, and his disposition and the way he is i mean that dude is locked in uh, from the time they walk out to, to the time they finish up, and the same goes for Levante Taylor. Uh, I mean, he's uh, he's just been locking down. In, in general, the defense has been ahead of the offense, which I think we all know uh, is what you want this time of year. It's, it's usually a pretty bad sign if it's not. But uh, but those two guys, especially, uh, have just been, uh, by my estimation, outstanding. Uh, and then the other thing that stood out to me is uh, is, is some of the newcomers. Uh, you know, the, for the first two days, Oldie Taggart separated the the freshmen and the newcomers and had them practice earlier in the morning. Uh, and then I had the veterans after that. Well, today was the first time they had the whole team together. Uh, and, uh, and then some of those guys, you know, they, they look like they belong. You know, Trayshawn Harrison, the freshman receiver, I was really, really impressed with. 
Uh, he made a really quick impact uh, yesterday uh, and continued that again today. Uh, looking at some of the other guys, uh, A.J. Litton uh, in, in the secondary uh, looks really nice. I um, saw Warren Thompson, the receiver, make some plays early in today's practice. And, you know, I think maybe it's, it's the, the the byproduct or maybe the director's like would be more accurate of, you know, playing in a system and a scheme on both sides of the ball where, you know, you're, you're able to rely on your talent and your athleticism. You know, you're not having to break down math equations to figure out where you're supposed to be or whatever. Uh, and these guys maybe are able to pick it up a little more quickly than, than what we're used to with freshmen. At least it looks that way through the first few days. Tim, for clarification, were they in shorts only today, or did they have uppers on? on no, they did. It's just helmet, shirts, and shorts. There were no uh, no shoulder pads. Yeah, so that that acclimation period, I guess, has grown a little bit. And from my memory, it used to be two or three days. Now it's four or five before they get to the full pads. Yeah, I'm always a little fuzzy on it too, but uh, but I definitely checked. And, and you know, you kind of double t- do a double take every once in a while because shoulder pads are so small anymore. Right. Uh, but no, it's uh, shirts and shorts. Well, you've talked about some other kids. Obviously, the number one focus for many folks uh, are on the quarterbacks. Uh, in my observation. Yesterday, Tuesday, uh, saw no ill effects of uh, uh, the leg injury to Francois. All three quarterbacks looked like they were getting a similar amount of reps. What did you see on uh, on Wednesday? Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. You know, look, uh, they, they really are rotating a lot. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is it's not just the quarterbacks rotating. It's, it's kind of everybody, you know. Different different running backs will get, uh, get an opportunity with the first string line. Different wide receivers will get an opportunity with different quarterbacks. And, and different running backs and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they're, they're really trying a, a bunch of different combinations on offense. Um, as far as the quarterbacks go, I mean, it, to be quite honest with you, I mean, I think it's some good, some bad from uh, from all those guys. I mean, I saw all three quarterbacks turn the ball over today, which uh, which is going to happen, you know, from time to time. Uh, and and you see, you know, when I mentioned that you know, Levante Taylor looks really good or that Stanford Samuel looks really good, uh, and they do, um, Usually that becomes at the expense of the passing game, right? And so, uh, so you know, we saw some turnovers, but man, you, you also see some really, really nice throws. I remember seeing—I can't remember if it was Tuesday or uh, or, or today—that that DeAndre Francois stepped up and threw just a dart uh, into a really tight window. Had three defenders kind of on the perimeter of of, of the receiver, and uh, and he snuck it right in there between them. So, uh, so it looks really, really good uh, in that regard. So, uh, man, I you know it, it's hard for me to to say, um, you know, if anybody's truly separated themselves uh, here and there. I, I, you know, I still think that, uh, you know, when it just comes just to throwing the ball, I mean, I think, you know, DeAndre is probably the, the most polished uh, of a passer, but uh, but he's also the guy working his way back from an injury that, you know, he hasn't really practiced in, in about a year. So uh, at least, you know, for the first few days, I don't think there's been a whole lot of separation. Tim, here's your silly question. I noticed on Tuesday, particularly when the defense had a turnover, somebody would run and go get the red garbage bucket. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think, uh, is there anything to that, or was that just a spontaneous one-time deal? No, I think there's. I think that's a thing. Uh, you know, and look, that goes back to uh, the spring. The, uh, the the defense would keep track of turnovers. Uh, you know, they want to keep count. Uh, that was uh, that was a thing in spring, and, and I think that's carrying over this year. And uh, I think it kind of is is part of the larger portion of you know they, the the coaching staff wants these guys to to celebrate with their teammates, celebrate their achievements, but also celebrate their teammates' achievements. Uh, and it also fosters competition. I mean, look, uh, the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, the, the, the defense, like I said, but the offense has, has had some moments, especially today once they started running the tempo. Uh, but the defense, by and large, has been, uh, you know, I, I think ahead of the offense for the first few days. And they'll let them know about it. I mean, there are some trash-talking dudes uh, on that defense, uh, you know, between uh, Burns and Taylor uh, especially and some of the guys. And, it, look, it's all, you know, I think good nature and everybody's teammates. But, you know, in, in the heat of competition, especially when it's 115 degrees, uh, out there, I mean, you know, it, it, it can get pretty spirited uh, in the competition, and, and I think that the, the trash can is probably 
uh, you know, a part of that. I mean, it's, it's a visual representation, right? Well, I, so, I uh, got tickled, and it also has great. Get that trash out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a bit of that too, right? There's a bit of that uh, you know, imagery going on. Whether or not they're going to be able to do that during the regular season, uh, at least uh, as far as running it onto the field, I you know I tend to doubt it, but uh, it wouldn't shock you if something like that uh, was was a you know a permanent fixture. You mentioned Stanford Samuels the third. He switched positions sort of this week, Tim. I'll let you elaborate. It, it may be more than a position switch. It seems to have to do more with a defensive scheme change, if you will, with a new coordinator and utilizing a safety and coverage more. I mean, am I getting a, a fair read on what they're doing with Stanford? I think so, and I've, I've tried to kind of dig around with, with some folks who know more about that kind of stuff than me to figure out exactly what the situation is. And, and yeah, I think it's kind of like you said. I think they, I think they like him um, in that positioning uh, you know, more than anything else in that spot on the field and talking to, to, to some folks that said it's, it's really not all that different from a nickel corner uh, position in terms of, of where you line up and, and, and his responsibilities. Uh, but I think they like, uh, you know, I think the, the responsibilities, I think, are a little bit more cerebral, uh, a little bit more, um, you know, kind of having to diagnose and, and, and figure out what the offense is running and, and also kind of helping your teammates get in that spot. So, you know, from what I've been able to gather, it's, it's a pretty big job. Um, and, and one that they feel pretty good about uh, about him doing it, but it, but it is I mean it is surprise in general because I mean like I said you know I, I think the, the the best corner conversation usually pretty much begins and ends with Levante Taylor, but man Stanford was really 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 good uh, as a corner in the spring, and so uh, you know the fact that they they like him in this other role, which I mean, again I do think it's going to be pretty similar, but the fact that they you know are, are moving him back you know it, it does say something, uh, and from what I you know I've been able to gather it and it says it's that's how much they like him because it's going to be a lot of responsibility what does it say that a running back has moved over to the linebacker position well you know and uh talking to uh to, to some folks about that i think the the equation on it is, is actually pretty simple uh in that they have a lot of running backs uh they don't have uh, as many linebackers and the quandre white uh you know for folks in the program uh, is one of the best athletes on the team and he's, and he's big man he's a pretty fit guy and so uh, especially in the lower body and so you're thinking you know, if we, if we have a surplus of talented running backs, and, and they certainly do right now, uh, you know, is there anybody that, anybody that can be better utilized? And so, you know, you look at him, you look at his body, and look at his ability, and, uh, and, and you know, give him a try. And, and he's been making plays out there. You know, he, he made some plays uh, in the passing game in, in, uh, during today's practice. And so, uh, you know, I think you, you can look at that and say, look, he's only been playing the position for, for three days, so I think, you know, it's going to be a, a bit of a learning curve. But, you know, we always say when guys switch sides, you know, you, you, you may be, Maybe thinking like a running back or, or knowing, you know, thinking like an offensive player, and it can almost help you in a way uh, when you're when you're making that transition. And so, I think they just they wanted to get, you know, they, they think that they think a lot of him as an athlete uh, and, and reps at the running back position are gonna be pretty hard to come by. So, well, you know, what can we do to try to get this guy on the field? And so, I think that's uh, you know, what they're trying with him. I think you just answered my next question when you say they. So it was a move. It was a decision made by the coaches, not a case where he went to the coaches and asked to switch positions. And then part two is, did he play linebacker in high school at all? I, I, well, I, my answer to both those questions, uh, unfortunately, is I, I don't know. I, I, I can tell you that the coaching staff is definitely on board with it, uh, and they're they're absolutely happy to have it. I have him. I don't I don't know if it's a, if it's a change that he lobbied for. And uh, I'm honestly I'm not sure if he played uh, he played linebacker in high school. I mean I know he was a really well regarded running back, but it's also not uh, not too unheard of for uh, for folks to to play both sides in high school. So I'm sure somebody listening knows, but uh, but off the top of my head, I don't. Tim, we, we see uh, in years past a lot of interchange on the offensive line, but for the first three days it appeared there would be some continuity on the offensive front with the same five guys in the majority of the drills. Was that the case, uh, confirming that today, and how'd they look? 
Yes, uh, that's that's been the case uh, really for the first three days. It's been the the, the same five uh, left to right with uh, Jawan Williams, Derek Kelly, Alec Everly, Cole Minshew, and uh, and Landon Dickerson at the right tackle spot. And you know, I, I think that, that in and of itself, having the five guys who I think we've all kind of suspected for a while are probably Florida State's five best offensive linemen, having them all healthy, all playing the same position. Uh, back-to-back days and multiple reps together, you know, given what that group has been through in terms of, of injuries and whatever else over the last year or even longer. And that just feels like a huge development to me. Uh, I feel like they look pretty good. I think they're the hardest group to judge because, you know, you're not really hitting anybody. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of going back to what we are saying earlier. When I say that, that Brian Burns has looked amazing through the first three days of camp, well, again, that usually comes at the expense of an offensive lineman. But, I mean, it comes with a caveat is that, you know, they're not in pads, not really hitting. And so, I mean, he's always going to be faster than an offensive tackle off the line, right? I mean, that's, you know, he's just using, can use his speed and a, you know, a spin move or what have you. Uh, so I'm curious to see, you know, if and when the full pads come on, well, they're going to come on. When that happens, you know, are they able to, to slow him down a little bit? But to me, just the, the overall idea that, that they have a, you know, a, a group of five that they like. And look, they have rotated some other guys in there, you know, here and there. Baby on Johnson's got some work at center with the first team. Corey Martinez has got some work, I think, at guard uh, with the first team here and there. But by and large, it seems like, uh, it's been that five pretty consistently through uh, through through camp, and you know, look, we're you know I I, I see the appeal of, of cross training, and, and we you know we all know that the previous staff really love to do that, and and I, and I get it, and I and they're going to do some more of that too, I'm sure, and they have a little bit, um, but uh, but I also think that there's something to be said for you know creating continuity and familiarity with a group of five guys and letting them you know work together as often as possible. For the first time in a real long time, some assistant coaches were made available today, and uh, we've talked amongst ourselves, you, Tom, and I, about the, the, how dynamic this staff is, but we really haven't heard from them. Heard from David Kelly. We've had him his sound spot on our show. Uh, the other coaches that spoke today, as you get to know these guys, it really is a pretty diverse and pretty dynamic group of individuals. No, it absolutely is, and, you know, I'm, I'm – I'm sure you guys enjoyed uh, hearing from David Kelly. I did too. You know, uh, Walt Bell, the offensive coordinator, spoke again uh, today. I mean, that guy, you know, I think is is, is really, really sharp. And it's you know, when you talk to him, it's pretty, uh, pretty easy to see, um, you know, why he's been able to advance in his career as quickly as he has. Um, just really sharp football mind, really kind of you know charismatic, and and uh, and speaks clearly. Uh, you know, defensive staff talks tomorrow, and um, you know, looking forward to uh, to hearing from those guys. Uh, as well, I spent most of my time with uh, with David Kelly uh, this morning, and because uh, you know he's one of the guys that you know he has such a, a long track record as a coach, um, and, and so many people have so many good things to say about him. Uh, just a you know a really really fascinating guy. He told a good story. I don't know if you heard if you had the audio, you, you heard the story about uh, you know, how he ended up uh, as the receivers coach at Florida State. Right. I thought that was a uh, pretty cool, and 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 spoke to uh, to Willie Taggart. And the, you know the one thing um, that I think is really interesting um, is in talking to these guys. Um, it's how much you know they believe in, in Willie Taggart, and in, in how much you know they get behind um, you know his vision for the program, and, and you know this is a staff that that they uh, that they want to be a part of, and uh, that yeah that really shows itself. I'm talking also to um, Telly Lockett, the tight ends coach, who was on uh, Willie Taggart's staff at USF, uh, was away from him for two years uh, at Oregon State, and is now back here with him at Florida State. Now, obviously, Florida State has an appeal, but uh, but in talking to, uh, to Coach Lockett. Man, you know, I, I, want to, I believe in his vision. I want to be a part of what he's doing. And um, you know, to a man, they all say that. I mean, I'm sure they would. Obviously, he's the head coach. But uh, but to hear, you know, so many coaches from so many different backgrounds uh, all kind of say the same thing in that regard, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. 
Tim, it sounds like you just climbed aboard your personal drone and are on a flight across the country or something. So uh, I'll let you go with this. What can we expect or what should we uh, be logging on to Seminoles.com to see these days? Oh, gosh, lots of stuff. Uh, you know, plenty, plenty of stuff from practice for sure. Uh, you know, there's really is a wealth between the, uh, the coordinators and the, and the assistant coaches. Our buddy Lane Hurt, now I know, uh, fills in for, uh, for me sometimes. Actually had David Kelly mic'd up during practice and was able to follow him around and, and text him as he was coaching. And then I was following those guys around for a little bit today, too. Some really insightful stuff, I think, that uh, the fans will enjoy watching him teach, watch the way he, he coaches. There's some, some cool sequences that will hopefully make the video of him. Uh, you know, going over, uh, you know, ball carrying techniques and, you know, punt return techniques with Trayson Harrison that are just, you know, really, uh, really cool teaching type of moments that, uh, that I think people enjoy getting a look at. Tim, great stuff as always. Look forward to continued coverage from camp. You got it, Tom. Thank you. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt. KJ and I will uh, react and roll on right after this. Teach leave kids alone. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. A few minutes to go. A lot to continue to be excited about, such as the nature of three days of fall camp, which doesn't actually occur in the fall. So maybe we just call it camp. <laughs> camp. Preseason camp, summer camp, whatever Remember, we call it. Remember, we used it. to call it two-a-days because you had double sessions, then they got restricted, restricted, and now they're essentially gone away with. Uh, you're not allowed to have them anymore. So I guess it is just camp. Fall camp can go away, and we'll just call it camp. Back when you had two-a-days, it was uphill both ways, wasn't it? Uh, only when it snowed. <laughs> and it's they, not, got, they got it easy these days, KJ. Well, let me tell you, I, you were out there Monday. I was out there Tuesday. I look, and they, they've got the, the, the scoreboards in the four corners. And for those that have not ever been to practice, practice is divided into five-minute segments. Periods. Periods. And they went 26 or 27 segments on Tuesday. Uh, So that's two hours and 15 minutes. Uh, I remember days, I'm not exaggerating, particularly in the spring, when we would go 36. That's three hours. Uh, I remember my freshman year in particular, we practiced – uh, 26 times in 14 days. Every day. Now, we weren't in full pads both times, but we were out there at 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. We were out there again at 3.30 in the afternoon. I personally think that some of that being scaled back is very good for the players, both in terms of their physical and their mental stability. But it it was a long, arduous time, and it was tough, and it was not easy. And it's certainly different now. I won't say it's any worse. I'll just say it's different. Uh, but at the same time, again, referencing what we've talked about earlier in this show, you know, there were some times there was some standing around and we were being taught and we would go through and coaches would position you and you would walk over here or you'd walk over there. Ain't no walking going on anymore. Yeah. So who knows which is what in terms of most difficult. Uh, it's all tough. Football is not an easy game. Uh, everybody sees it on Saturdays and on television well, and think it's all glamour. It It's a hard game, but you do it because you love it. To go back to your point earlier about going to Bradenton and IMG and it breaks up the monotony of it, practice is not fun. No. 
It's not. Fun. I mean, I'm sure you had a couple guys on your team who lived it, and they they were the the psycho guys that were out there just loving practice. There's not many of them. Not many at all. And and that doesn't mean you don't care. It just means it gets that arduous. Yeah. And once you get into the season, and then those practices become shorter, they're much more important. Of course, time in the film room becomes that much more important. Looking at scouting reports becomes much more important. Uh, but it is not an easy game to play. It is not for the faint of heart, whether it was. 40 years ago or whether it was yesterday. Another change, and this has been talked about a little bit, but Monday is going to be an off day for the team now in the Willie Taggart era. And that hasn't been the norm. If you think back under Coach Bowden, the team took Sunday off and then took practiced Monday night, night. And the idea was to get more recovery from the Saturday game. Now under Jimbo, the team practiced on Mondays, but they would have a stretch and stride on Sunday. And regardless of the coach, everybody has to report in and be accounted for to the trainers on Sunday. But the stretch and stride was to loosen up and, uh, you know, run some of your soreness out, if you will. But now FSU will practice on Sundays, and it's the same philosophy. I'm sure it'll be a light practice, but the idea is that now science is showing that you're going to recover better doing it that way. Monday will be an off day, and then they'll get back to practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Monday will then uh, also be a very heavy media day because Coach Taggart, uh, we're told, will tape his television show uh, on Monday mornings. That's a show that you host. Uh, am I correct? And at least yes, the you initial. Are. You are. And then uh, Monday night will be Coach Taggart's call-in show. Although the format will change a little bit, it won't necessarily be call-in as much as uh, texting and email messages. But it will be on Monday evenings uh, down at the Four Points by Sheraton, as opposed to Wednesday. And what that allows is Coach Taggart to get his media obligations out of the way and then focus completely on the next game Tuesday through the following Saturday. So it's a change in schedule. Of course, we've already talked about the morning versus the afternoon practices. Um, all of it just different. I'm, I'm, you know, Until you win ball games and win championships, you know, I don't think we're in a position to judge whether they're good or, or, or bad. Uh, they're just different. And uh, the, so far, the players have embraced it. And, and so far, I think the majority of uh, Seminole Nation just understands why Taggart's doing it this way. We are uh, as we wrap up. I'll just uh, point out that next week the team will be in Bradenton as we do this show, so there won't be much Florida State news football wise coming out. So we will talk uh, some other things, some of the other enhancements, changes that are going on uh, around football, but also we'll look forward to uh, volleyball and soccer seasons, which are getting set to kick off as well uh, pretty soon. So we'll do that next week. Uh, and Keith, I think lucky for you, you won't have to see me till then, and I lucky for me, I won't have to see you until then either appreciate it so much thanks for joining us on front row knolls